know someone with an autistic child or a child who has ADD or ADHD or behavioral disorders, make sure they listen to this show. Our guest heretic Stacy Shepard is an acupuncturist and certified GAPS practitioner who's been healing the underlying digestive disorders that contribute to these conditions and more. In this show, we'll discuss the numerous causes behind poor gut health and why establishing a healthy microbiome is your best bet for completely reversing these conditions. All this and more on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. If you're still confused about what to eat and not getting the results you thought you'd get by going organic, go to nutritionheretic.com and download the shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague for free. The shit list details what health food companies want you to believe about the crap they peddle and why the real foods they're meant to replace are far better. Stop letting big health food dump all over you and download the shit list today. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Yu, the Nutrition Heretic, and thank you for being here with us. So, as you know, autism is a huge issue uh, that's been coming up more and more and more, and every year we hear about what causes it, the fact that more children are affected by it. The more I look around, the more I think that there are way more that are affected by it than even the studies that are showing that one in 50 children are affected. And as of this morning, another study came or was shared with me, I should say, uh, pointing to potentially the pesticides and uh, different Things that are going into the food supply, particularly uh, GMO products and and all the stuff, all the wonderful stuff that Monsanto puts on our plates, uh, that that may be playing a role, and that pretty soon we're going to be looking at one in two children having autism, which is uh, you know pretty frightening. Uh, and I know I've said this before on the show. It's this is not to talk down to uh, the parents of autistic children or look down upon autistic children. But, uh, you know, there comes a point where we must start asking ourselves, what is the future for a lot of these children? Uh, you know, can they, uh, you know, there is, there, there are some people who can 
to have a certain type of autism, a certain place on the spectrum where, yes, they are very high functioning and they, they have insights. We talked a little bit about Temple Grandin a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, they, people like her can have insights into, for example, how animals feel in certain situations, uh, and, and give us that feedback and, uh, make things like the, uh, you know, slaughterhouses, uh, more humane and easier on the animals. Uh, but, for all intents and purposes, uh, this is this is an epidemic, and we really shouldn't be taking this lightly. Uh, several years ago, a friend of mine and her husband discovered uh, immediately following the MMR vaccine uh, that their son suddenly tuned out, and uh, he was not too long after that was diagnosed with autism. And, uh, you know, I worked with them a little bit uh, on it and we changed his diet tremendously. And one of the things that they did that we did with this this little boy was put him on what's called the GAPS diet. And uh, it took a long time because they didn't initially go on GAPS. They did a multitude of different things. Uh, and, you know, many of these people had their best interest at heart. They were focusing on whole foods. They were uh, putting them, uh, putting him on uh, things like you say, raw milk and, and things like um, that would normally be very health helpful for someone. But that's for someone with a healthy gut. And uh, in any case, the GAPS protocol does allow those things, but not initially. And essentially, it took the he was diagnosed at two again, immediately following the, the MMR vaccine. Uh, and um, he ended up coming being officially off the spectrum when he was 12. So I think they started gaps when he was about six or seven. Uh, but, you know, there were so many other things that that played into that that were beyond the scope of what GAPS does as far as healing. Uh, but it was definitely instrumental in, in healing this little boy. And now he's quote unquote normal. So for that reason, I wanted to really talk to someone who knows about this, this GAPS protocol, which is gut and psychology syndrome. Is, that's what GAP stands for. And so today we have guest heretic Stacy Shepard. She's a licensed acupuncturist and certified GAPS practitioner. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Thank you, Adrian. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I, sorry, I, I kind of rambled on <laughs> for a minute there because uh, there's just so much to encapsulate in this growing issue with autism. And um, I, you know, was looking at your website, and you know, we're we're going to get a little bit more into your personal journey uh, with the Gaps Protocol. What I want, what I wanted to address first is that this uh, gut and psychology syndrome, you know, we, it, it really became popular because of its ability to help children with autism. Tell us what, what most people maybe are not connecting about the digestive issues that accompany autism and, and, you know, things that people just don't maybe recognize as being abnormal. Pretty much. Every gaps, we call them gaps patients. Right. Um, autistic children, ADHD children, children with eczema, asthma, all of these are, are gaps patients that would benefit from the gaps diet. And 
Um, nine times out of 10, really more like 10 times out of 10, honestly, they are, they have accompanying digestive problems. So these are things that you're going to see from the beginning, um, of their, of their life. Um, colicky babies, um, problems with gas and bloating, um, food sensitivities, food intolerances, um, diarrhea, maybe alternating. Um, so all of the digestive symptoms typically start first and um, have their root in a, a permeable gut and an imbalance of our um, of the microbiome. So they have a predominance of the um, opportunistic and harmful bacteria and yeast and not enough of the good bacteria and good good fungus um, to keep everything to keep the bad population in control. Mm-hmm. So, so what are the common precipitating factors there? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, my friends, their son, he got, he was for all intents and purposes, normal, gets the MMR and within 24 hours becomes, you know, they're like just non-communicative overnight. Quite literally overnight becomes non-communicating. Uh, yeah. what, what are we seeing there? What's, what, what are these vaccines potentially doing to the gut? So, um, there are lymph nodes that are in the gut. There's actually about 80% of your immune system is located in the gut. And so there's been studies done mostly coming out of Europe. Um, and what they're finding is that when they test those lymph nodes, they're finding the virus. Um, living in there from the MMR vaccines. Mm. And um, what I'll add to that is that these children that are um, regressing, having these symptoms immediately after vaccinations, um, aren't typically healthy to begin with. Not so much that they would be, you would, the parents would be so concerned that they would take them in to the doctor and um, be real severely worried about it. But it does, um, have an underlying, they, they were sick. Their immune system was suffering before they had the vaccine, which right. is why if you notice any kind of digestive symptoms with your children, we recommend you don't vaccine and t- vaccinate until at least three years of age. Um, because once they're older and their immune system is stronger, then it really should be able to, um, to handle it better. I'm not, saying go out and get all of the vaccinations and that's definitely not what I'm recommending but you once you're you're strong and your digestive system is functioning properly then you should be able to detox and your immune system work properly even after having had them yeah and you know that's that's a really important uh thing that you mentioned right there because I what I'm getting from a lot of uh women in my neighborhood is well I don't eat like you so I have to get my kid vaccinated because I'm not doing all the nutritional stuff and I'm like no 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 you don't seem to understand that's the worst time to get your child vaccinated you don't it's not a, it's not a safety net so you can be fucking lazy okay <laughs> it's, it's, you know it's it doesn't work that way you either have an immune system or you don't and you need a certain amount of immunity to deal with the darn vaccine and that's exactly. what a lot of people are not getting so i'm saying to people like no 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 wait 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 you don't you don't you know when you have a you <laughs> you have a you have a is an open wound you know you don't saw into it more <laughs> to to make <laughs> right. it better right <laughs> you don't so um 
Exactly. Yeah. And um, our immune systems need nurturing and love and the proper balance of nutrients and um, organisms helping to helping it to function properly. So without that going on, if you're feeding your kid Cheerios and they're not getting the proper um, diet, then they're just already, you know, at a starting off from behind. And um, then any little thing can cause this really severe attack on their immune system and especially vaccinations, especially the ones that are um, combined. That's, um, you know, a real hard hard thing for immune system to ha- immune systems to handle. So building up your digestive system is really key before you go and start vaccinating. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, it's on what planet would anybody in nature come in contact with mumps, measles and rubella all in the same day? Like, I don't even want to, right. I, I don't want to live in that neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> but just the fact that they um, are not only packaging them, but then refusing now, you know, now they're trying to pass legislation to not even allow people to separate them out when they want to, which is even more ridiculous. You know, like, yeah, it you know, makes no sense. It, it makes absolutely no sense. And, let me tell you something. Do you get the the person who comes up to you and say, well, you're trying to sound smart, but really they just sound like an asshole. They go, oh, well, you know, I, I, you can't live forever. So I don't know why you're eating like that. And I'm thinking to myself, you just gave your kid 50 vaccines. <laughs> you And you're defending the schedule of 50 to 70 vaccines before the age of five. Uh, why, why now? Is that because you're not trying to live long or you know like it's it's just it's it's a really ignorant way of looking at the world where you just taking the basic precautions and seriously it's not even you know i think that this is the thing is i think the the whole like 60s 70s and you know actually and beyond a lot of the health food movement that you know kind of came up through the bulgur wheat and sprouting your own soybeans and all that kind of stuff from the uh uh from the 60s and 70s i think that that has this like lasting stain on on healthy eating that it must be absolutely totally disgusting and unpalatable and make you never want to eat again (laughs) (laughs) and so as a result people see people like you and me who are eating these nice rich broths and and uh very nutritious meals and they're thinking to themselves that uh you know we're doing something crazy you know it's just uh, i don't have time for that Pass me, yeah. the, pass me the egg McMuffin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We live in a society where everyone wants instant gratification. I've seen this as a healer. It's people want to be, they want to take a pill and they want to get better, better by tomorrow. And they want to get their vaccines and they don't ever want to get sick. And they don't want to have to cook any meals and they're paying the price for it. Right. We have to get back to a slow society where we're taking our time and paying attention to what we're doing and our bodies will reflect that. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the even more laughable thing is is when my friends who are these staunch, you know, I think they literally tell me I'm an idiot because I don't vaccinate my child and I don't love them and da, da, da. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you just profess to do all the vaccines, yet you're constantly posting 
you're on social media about the the fact that they can't go to school this month for X, Y, and Z disease that they've contracted. Uh, you know, it's going through the family, you know, this whole contagious theory, like, oh, yeah, it's just going around because humans are vectors of disease. And it's like, yeah, well, <sighs> you, you shoot them up with disease and throw them in public. Yes, they become vectors of disease. <laughs> yeah. so. It's not exactly. that not that hard to draw a line. So, so what what do you think about the the role of pesticides, glyphosate, all this GMO crap, and declining gut health? Do you think there's something there? Do you think it's it's the you know one one of the great influencers or merely a possible piece of the puzzle? I definitely think it's a great influencer. These chemicals are all antimicrobial, mm. and that's where the issue lies. Our, we're, our bodies are becoming sterilized, we're, and we're killing off all of the good guys, and we're making huge openings for, um, for the opportunistic the bad bacteria to flourish, the ones that are resistant to those sorts of chemicals. Mm -hmm. And that's really um, at the root, I believe. It's causing, they're causing inflammation on one hand, and then they're also causing the, our, basically our army, our good bacteria to decline. So it's like a double-edged sword. It's attacking us from both ends. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. There's, there's more than meets the eye. You know, a lot of people think it's just the, the genetic mutation as if that's something to say just about. But yes, like you said, they're antimicrobial. And yes, by, by virtue of that, I feel as well that they're playing a, a significant role beyond what the average person might uh, think. Even the people who don't like it, uh, probably don't realize just how much of a toll these things can take on on the gut. Now, mm -hmm. sort of going hand in hand with that is, um, I think when a lot of people look at the GAPS diet, they think, oh my God, there's no way this can be good because, at least in the early stages, it's low in fiber. I need my fiber. How am I going to take a crap? I don't have any <laughs> fiber, right? So, you know, what's, what, what is the issue with eating copious amounts of fiber, particularly when you have a gut disorder. So a lot of people that we're putting on the GAPS diet have diarrhea. So we do not want to have fiber with diarrhea. It's just going to make your diarrhea worse. Um, it's going to be too abrasive on the digestive lining, which we're trying to peel. We're working on regenerating that tissue and um, building back your gut lining. So like having sandpaper, basically scraping across it all day long is not, um, is counterintuitive. It's not going to um, work out. So we want to limit your fiber and um, just keep you moving. We definitely, um, if for people that are constipated, we um, do add in some fiber because definitely eliminating is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and But we want to 
we, we, it's really important. Um, I think working with a health practitioner that is, um, adept at this so that you can, you know, monitor, tailor it to your specific symptoms and your needs. Because, um, I see a lot of people going on the diet on their own and failing. And, um, so for example, somebody that's constipated and then going straight onto the intro diet and not having a bowel movement for, a week. That's not, that's not okay. That's that's not going to work out. So, um, yeah, we, you really need to, it's beneficial to work with somebody that can guide you through that. Right. Now with, with the constipation issue, is there, you know, because I think of fiber as more of a, uh, it's more than just, I guess it's, yeah, a mechanical process, let's say, of kind of plowing things through the system, but what about inducing peristalsis? Is there, is there a component where you're, you're, you're actually working on helping the, the churning through the gut more so than the pushing through the gut? Does that make sense? Um, you mean, is fiber doing that? No, no. Is there, are there, is, well, I think of fiber as, as a bit of an aggressive approach versus, you know, starting the peristaltic action through typically thought of, uh, through fats, which kind of start the, the intestines pumping the food through. Um, is, is there any value in that? Or do you find that the fiber is the, the main thing that helps to get those bowel movements out? Oh no, there's definitely value in that. So we're really, we're working from start to finish really for, with the digestive tract on the GAPS diet. So we want you to chew your food all of the way and, you know, chew it really well mm-hmm. before you swallow it. That's going to start the start peristalsis essentially through your saliva and through hormone secretion. Um, and then we want you to have a super, super acidic stomach. Um, and then through having high enough acid levels, then that's going to start the digestive process off. It's going to help you to break down your, your food properly. And it's also going, what will be the signal for your pancreas and your gallbladder and liver to start releasing the hormones that are responsible for breaking down your food and inducing peristalsis. Right. I hear, I hear you. Um, uh, what are some of the other, you know, gaps is, you know, the, sorry, the autism is and all of the related spectrum disorders we t- discussed. What are some of the other things? Like how far reaching is this diet in helping people? I, I believe that the, uh, creator of the diet, uh, Natasha Campbell McBride, she's coming out with another book and I can't remember the exact slant on that. But it was, I believe it's a a gaps, if not a a variation of gaps and how it helps with certain other disorders. What are are some of the, the disorders we discussed, the constipation and diarrhea and autism? What, What else can it help with? Okay. Yeah. Great question. So GAP stands for gut and psychology syndrome, but what you're referring to her next book, um, it's still GAPS, but it will be gut and physiology syndrome. Uh-huh. So how 
how um, our gut is related to the health of the rest of our entire being and um, how I can address autoimmune disorders, hormonal disorders, um, thyroid problems, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, ulcerative colitis, any kind of really any digestive problems. Um, Yeah, it goes way far beyond um, just autism. Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, there's, there is this disconnect with what we put in our body for, and I mean, definitely with the, the mental concerns, uh, but also, yeah, the physiological things. People don't think that r- removing certain foods or in just, it, well, I guess there's a certain body of people who recognize the removing of certain foods, but they don't realize that you can actually heal the underlying problem. And for me, that's always uh, the first concern, because what I see, and, and particularly, I don't mean to you know come down on anybody, but a lot of people who are following these different types, uh, I mean, yes, on the vegan side, for sure, but even on the paleo side, which for all intents and purposes, I, I believe has uh, more healing value for m- most people, especially especially if they've been on the vegan side for a long time. Uh, but they don't, re- they'll say like, oh, I went paleo because I'm allergic to uh, grains. You know, I, I can't eat grains. So I'm just doing the paleo diet because that's that works for me. But they continue to engage in other things that are continually breaking down the gut. So they're eating a lot of sugar. They're still, they're eating the types of starches that might be aggravating the condition more. They're not getting enough of the bone broths and the collagens and, and the, um, dietary fats that they need to heal the gut. Uh, is, go on. That's like, that's reminding me of, um, a lot of people with autistic children go on the gluten-free, casein-free diet. Right. And they see good results with that initially. Yes. And, um, but then you see them feeding their kids all of these bars and things that are still totally starchy and carbs, but just not with wheat in them. And it's really not a long-term solution. They might be um, getting relief initially just from not having the gluten and casein in their in their bodies but it long term it's not going to solve the problem the problem is that if they're not breaking the wheat the the gluten and the casein down properly and it's being absorbed into their bloodstream crossing the blood brain barrier well that means that their digestive process is not functioning right so they're not breaking down the rest of the carbs that you're giving them either they've got an, an imbalance in their micro microbiome and they need more help just taking away the the most common offender isn't going to solve any problems it's not going to heal you right and then what i always say to people is like okay fine you took that out but what are you doing to heal you know there's 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 a number of and and the reason why i say that is because then they become allergic to rice and then they become allergic to quinoa and then they become allergic to beans and then they become allergic to, you know, and the list just goes on and on and on and on because they're not actually healing. They're just, they're, they're, they're eliminating and then there's, and then they're, they're jumping ship to something else. And, and one of the things that stands out for me, uh, is, um, in particular, well, like I said, rice is a big one that, everybody used to think was hypoallergenic just turned out that the Americans weren't eating rice. <laughs> so there were, so there were no freaking studies on it. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, it's hypoallergenic. Nobody can be allergic to it. Well, guess what? 
I've had uh, numerous people who can't tolerate the non-glutinous grains, too, because they thought that it was the gluten that was the problem. But, you know, after two years of eating nothing but buckwheat and quinoa, now they're having joint problems and other issues from eating those foods. Uh, but what I was going to say is a lot of the people who are like have gone in particular, I'm just going to pick on the paleo people today, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, they'll, they'll jump ship and they're starting to make everything out of freaking cauliflower. cauliflower rice and cauliflower crust and cauliflower this and that you know and so they're like using cauliflower for cream and like they're trying to make everything out of cauliflower uh but it's a point it's a potent goitrogen which means that it blocks your iodine uptake uh if eaten in copious amounts which is what ends up happening so now they're they've got a malfunctioning thyroid and they they can't figure it out so that this is one of the things that I love about the, this um, protocol is that it does indeed help people to to move beyond just the elimination and actually get back to some semblance of normalcy. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. No. Uh, but you got to think to yourself, where do I want to be in two years? Mm-hmm. You know, still still struggling with the same thing or do I want to just suck it up and have to avoid some parties for a while <laughs> or, or bring my own um, and, and uh, you know, really deal with this because uh, one thing, you know, a lot of people and God bless them. I understand where you're coming from. You don't want to make your autistic children, you, know, you don't want to make them freaks for crying out loud. Right. You don't want them to, to be, you don't want it to be seen as a negative thing, but, you also, you know, our, our duty as parents is to see, is to see our next generation be able to take care of itself. And many of these children are very low functioning. They won't be able to take care of themselves at this rate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how, how do we get not only for them to be able to take care of themselves one day, but also how do we create that, that lifestyle that we envisioned when we got pregnant? Or when we took on the task of becoming parents, you know, m- many people do not look at parenthood as rocking, you know, constantly and, and their kids screaming at, you know, high pitched noise and, and can't go to the movies in public and, you know, things like that. Like, that's not the, the dream parenting, <laughs> you know, a picture, <laughs> picture, right? Um, we want to take vacations and we want to, you know, be free to go places. Uh, so if you're thinking that, if you're listening to this and you're thinking that it's just too hard, you know, how much harder is it to face a lifetime of your child not being able to participate in life and, and your family being shunned from functions and, 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 you know, we can't keep blaming everyone else for that. So, uh, you know, this is something that I, I want to offer people hope to understand that working with someone like you, they can get to the other side. And it's just, I mean, two years is like a drop in the bucket compared, exactly. compared to a lifetime of, uh, like, you know, I have many friends who their 20 year olds can't, they can't hold a job, you know, they can't, uh, take care of themselves. Uh, they, it, it, some of them are lucky that they have a sibling that will take care of them after the parents are gone, but many of them don't, you know, what, what do we want for our children? And, and I hate to be, uh, to sound, uh, like I'm talking down to people, but I'm, I'm, what I'm really hoping is that, is that we're giving people some hope right now, uh, that it's not a life sentence. It's not a life sentence. And 
my Adrian, my heart just breaks and goes out to these parents. I know that they it's just so hard to see your child struggling and you worry about them, you worry worried about their future. Um, and what I also know is that parents of GAPS children are usually GAPS people themselves. They For may sure. not have autism, but they were they've usually got some sort of digestive problems, eczema, depression, um, various things like that. So what I like to tell people is that by helping your child, you're changing your whole lifestyle. You have it's it has to happen. And you're, that is going to affect your entire family. You're going to see your entire family start to heal if you, because everybody has to really be on board. It doesn't work, work in a family where um, one person or a couple people don't want to do the diet and you just have to put your one child on the diet. It's You're setting yourself up for failure. Right. Um, you really need to be in a supportive environment and with people that are all going to just like jump on this boat together and um, they'll be blown away over time by how differently they all begin to feel and look and act and um, just how much better their quality of life is going to be. It's it's going to be life changing and it changes your whole family. And I think that, um, a really important piece of it is getting the kids, getting all the kids. If there's more than one that, you know, you have your autistic kid and your other kids, just get them all, um, involved in, uh, in the cooking process, getting them in the kitchen is so helpful. It makes them want to eat the food so For much sure. more. And then more importantly, get them outside growing the food. There's, mm-hmm. we could talk so much more about, why that is helpful, but just getting them touching the soil, getting exposed to that good bacteria, and then it gets them really excited. They're going to go in the kitchen and cook what they grew, and then they want to eat it so much more. It's, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I think of it as sort of, you know, like when the, when your kid comes home from school with like the macaroni necklace and they <laughs> like, mommy, yeah. wear this, you know, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, you know, where, where they've, they've created it and they're proud of it. Uh, yeah, so I, so, exactly. you know, we've always been a big proponent of, uh, getting the kid, although, you know, I feel bad because I don't let my kids go near the stove. But I feel like you got to work up to the stove. You know, I, I don't, I, I was watching some guy. He had his two year old standing on a chair cooking over uh, a stove. And I'm, I'm oh, thinking gosh. to myself, Oh my God, that is like, you know, that, see now to me, that's the parent who then complains to the stove company that there was no warning. Yeah. To, you right. know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my kid fell and burned his face and you didn't put a warning that he's not supposed to do that. You know, like doesn't, does, and, and I think they were on a boat too. So you just got, oh you gotta, so you got to take like the waves and everything as a consideration. Oh, wow. So, but <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's uh, yeah, it, it's that that's been a, a hard part. But what we do is we create kind of theme nights where we you know we prepare something together. We watch a theme, you know, movie like you know, like we might make sushi and then watch Karate Kid, for example. Uh, you know, something like that where it kind of plays into it, so it's you know, part of an entire experience, so to speak. 
Oh, cool. That's a great idea. So, yeah, we try to, you know, incorporate things like that. And let me tell you, I've said this before to, you know, on the show, but I haven't told you, which is that every time kids come to my house, like the, they can be, their parents will talk, you know, curse up and down how my kid's not going to eat that, whatever, blah, blah. Next thing they know, they're eating string beans. They're eating like exotic, you know, Indian food or Jamaican food or whatever it was that the parents swore they would not touch. <laughs> they're eating it. And I'm like, yeah, because you don't fucking cook. <laughs> that's, why kids, that's why your kids don't, because you cook nasty. You know, who wants to eat that crap? Like, right. <laughs> you know? yeah, no, no, your child should not want to eat, you know, fake bread with fake cheese and fake butter on it. No, that's that's why they don't like, you know, uh, grilled cheese, because you, you know, every last ingredient was plastic. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's pretty disturbing what's out there. So tell Very. us, t- tell us how you learned about gaps. Like what was your experience that brought you this way? Well, I, I felt guided to it. Um, and I, I read the book first, um, and I did not, um, do the diet, um, initially. I, I was interested in it more from a health practitioner's perspective versus, um, a personal journey. Right. Um, but after I went and studied with Dr. Natasha, um, she just blew my mind and, um, the training was so powerful and so amazing that, um, I came home and I just, I said, I have to do this myself too, if I'm going to put patience on this. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a really incredible experience actually, um, to give you a little bit of my background. I had, I suffered from IBS pretty much all of my childhood, um, all throughout my teens and into my early twenties. And then, um, my mom took me to get acupuncture when I was probably 21 and it, um, really helped a lot and it turned me onto the path that I am on now. And, and I went, ended up going to, um, an oriental medicine school, getting my master's and becoming an acupuncturist. And within six months of that, um, of my program and getting acupuncture and taking herbs, I was completely better. I had no symptoms. I felt amazing, like a new person. Wow. And for 10 years, I never had anything. I didn't have any episodes of IBS. It was blissful. And I was like, yes, I'm healed. And then I come home from this amazing GAPS training and I start on the GAPS diet. And lo and behold, I have the most miserable, awful week. I've got IBS like you wouldn't believe. Wow. And it's just like all located down in my lower right quadrant where it always was um, in the past. And I came to realize that um, I I even though I felt good um, because I eat healthy and I do acupuncture and I take herbs and everything's balanced, um, but I still had these these deeper pathogens. Um, it's a deeper imbalance um, living within me, just kind of waiting, just hiding out there for the next time that I stop eating right. And um, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if any if I stop doing any of that stuff, I'm sure that it would all come right back. Um, but then with this, this diet, it's, 
it's incredibly, incredibly cleansing and powerful and healing. And um, like I said, my first week was miserable and I was just clearing all of these pathogens. Mm-hmm. And and then after that, after, after about a week or so, um, I felt just amazing, tremendous relief and then felt even, I mean, way better than I even thought. I thought I felt amazing before. And then I just started feeling so clear and clean and truly, truly healthy. Wow. Wow. I mean, and that, that just goes right there to show that in our modern world, particularly in this country, that it's in, unlikely that pretty much anybody is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Because you get these people who say, they're like, oh, well, I already do that. I, do, I take my probiotics every day and I only <laughs> eat grass-fed meat and I eat some fat, but not too much. And, you know, they go and, they, and they, they give you the whole, and I'm gluten-free and yada, yada, yada. And so they go down their whole list of do's and don'ts and you're looking at them and you're like, but you weigh like 150 pounds too much and your teeth are falling out and, you know, like, like seriously, dude, you know, yeah. like what, what's going on, right? So, yeah. so I and think people it's, just aren't open to really hearing advice. <laughs> but you, you know, it's what goes back to what you said before, because it, there's this when it comes to food, right? Everybody's like, I eat, I'm an expert, <laughs> and it's not that simple. Um, I'm really good at numbers. You do not want me anywhere near your taxes, okay? <laughs> you don't want me doing your taxes. Anything beyond calculating tax on on an item you just purchased, you don't want me doing, okay? <laughs> so, so, you know, th- this is this is the thing. So, you know, um when people look at you, you know, they, and they say they 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 think that they know what they're doing because they saw Jamie Lee Curtis talking about how she couldn't take a crap until she ate Activia on TV. Now they think that they've got the whole thing. And I'm always saying, well, you've got it's like painting a wall, right? The painting part is pretty easy for all intents and purposes. It's the prepping the wall before you put the paint. That's the that's the work. Yep. It's making sure the holes are patched and the structure is good. Yeah. And, yeah. And you cleaned, <laughs> you cleaned it off. You got rid of the mold and the dust and whatever else was sitting on the wall. You got to get all that stuff out, dry it out, spank it down. And then, then you can put on your clear coat of probiotic in this case. Uh-huh. And, and so what I see a lot of people doing is just coating the issue. Literally coating the, you know, the, the issue with the probiotic instead of going from the, from the bottom up and preparing the path so the probiotic can do its work. Yep. People just want a pill. That is all they want. They want, we're so trained by the pharmaceutical giants that pills can solve everything. And that's what we've become accustomed to. We just want something that will fix it and will hide all of the rest of our problems. And we can keep going about living our lives and not have to think about it or worry about it or really try too hard to, to fix anything. Right. Exactly. That's it for today. 
Next week on the show, we'll be continuing the conversation with Ms. Shepard about how she healed digestive issues that she didn't even know she had using the GAPS protocol. We'll also get more into her experience using acupuncture and herbs to improve outcomes and how you can get in touch with her to help you along your healing journey on the Nutrition Heretic podcast next week. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks. (music) 